Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. Billy is looking fabulous, and you know why. Tell me. He always looks fabulous, though. Well, but he's looking extra fabulous, and I think it's because of, well, I know, it's because of the Power Bowl collagen he's been taking. His coat is really shiny, and his skin is really sort of supple. You know, he's just looking like a supermodel. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, the supermodel thing is funny because people think of collagen as a beauty product, really. It's yeah. so marketed at such at a human level. When in fact, the f interesting thing about collagen is it's so multifaceted, you mm. know, because it's a structural protein, you know, that sadly depletes with age. By adding it into your diet, you're also helping the digestive system and yeah, the okay, immune so you've system. Mentioned that. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. So it's good for his digestion too, isn't it? Yeah, it really is because it helps the structure of the gut wall and it's all about keeping the structure of the gut wall because there's um, a condition called leaky gut and you don't want your dog to be having that. So I've, collagen... I've had that after a bad career. You do not want that. <laughs> Definitely don't want one of those. But yeah, so it's, not a, so it's not only skin and coat, but it really helps that. But of course, it also helps joints as well mm. as, you know, the gut lining. And also, guess what? With cuts and grazes. You know how when the wound starts to kind of mesh together you know mm, when you've cut yeah. yourself well that is the collagen in the body making that happen because it is a structural protein so it helps on so many levels it's certainly not just for the skin and coat yeah. although having said that mike i love the so body co the parent firm uh their collagen that i'm taking myself as a human that has made all the difference to my hair i am notably got thicker hair than i had before taking it there you go but the other thing is, it's not just for us, it's for a dog's life listeners as well. It is for a dog's life listeners, so both human and pooch. What's the discount code, Mike, for the portable? A dog's life 10. That's A-D-O-G-S-L-I-F-E-10. So just go to portable.co.uk and the discount code is a dog's life 10. Mr. Biggs, you know how you're not insured because when I got you, you had a pre-existing condition. Well, it's an interesting debate to insure or not to insure, but we're going to explore this in two special editions, the first of which is today, because we're jumping on Zoom to talk to Andy Pierce, who is the Managing Director with decades of experience in dedicated pet insurance, and he's joined a firm called Pet Cover. I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. Andy, welcome to A Dog's Life. Oh, pleasure, great to be here. Oh, well, it's so exciting because I learned about pet cover insurance at Crufts. So I'm really chuffed that um, we're having this chat today. Because is that right? Did you launch around March this year in the UK? Yes, we did. Uh, we are an Australian company. Um, our origins are in Australia. Um, and um, we believe the UK uh, is a, a very interesting market from a pet loving nation so for us it was a it was a a logical step to come into the uk so yeah we've been we've been around for actually a little over a year because we went into equestrian insurance originally uh, but then we expanded into cat and dog and exotic animals Gosh, yes. So you're covering everything, really. Well, you know, I think you've done the right thing. The UK is a nation of animals after animal lovers, I should say, after all. I wish we were just a nation of animals, actually. I think the world would be a better place, Andy, don't you? 
Oh, absolutely. I think you would uh, you would find uh, more harmony. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so comparing the UK then to Australia, I mean, it's a very different climate. We haven't got we've only got one poisonous snake in the UK, and thankfully, no. Uh, you know poisonous spiders and the like so I mean what I'm saying is do you think the UK offers less insurance claims than in Australia because of the the regional differences so I suppose I ought to give you a little bit of background I I used to run Pet Plan UK so did you did you oh my gosh Pet Plan oh I love Pet Plan. <laughs> yeah. So all the internal um, operations and everything else I used to run. So I've got a lot of experience around the UK versus Australia. And it's a really interesting question, which I get asked a lot. Um, and I can tell you that the the variation in terms of claiming is very, very similar across the two countries. It's actually also very similar to New Zealand. Um and but there are differences and they are they are subtle and they are things that that uh, mean that you, you need to be, take more care so uh, i will give you some examples um, the list is is quite long but um if you imagine australia has plenty of space in terms of housing and everything else uh, and actually has plenty of space for animals to run and roam that may not be the case in the UK. So when when you actually buy your pet and or look to get a pet, you need to be thinking about your home environment, what you have available to, to actually exercise the pet and make sure that you're doing the right thing by them. So obesity in animals in the UK is actually slightly higher than it would be in, in Australia. And part of that is the environment that we find ourselves in. If I move on from that, that's one of the areas that are different. Yeah, yeah, I can I can relate to that. What about feeding, though, as well, Andy? Sorry, it's, it's, it's interesting. Am I right in thinking that in Australia, people are more uh, likely to feed a raw diet than ultra-processed kibble? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert on the, on the um, which is the right the right product but what i can say to you is they do they they feed them a lot more raw um, and they also they also allow them to to travel around in more freely so they're less inclined to be in the house more outside um so they're more free to to get out and about um, that produces its own risk but but less so than in the uk so yes yes is the answer to your question but i wouldn't say it was marked you know no more than probably a 10 to 15 percent variation but it's definitely it's definitely one of the reasons. I wanted to walk on to to accidents and frequency of accidents is another area that's different between the UK and Australia. Uh, a lot more um, cars on the road and a lot more smaller streets. Um, so the accident frequency is slightly higher. So that that's one thing that's different between the UK and Australia. The the premises and where we live is another one. And then the final thing is um, treatment regimes, and 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 I would say in that space the UK is slightly more advanced, although Australia is is very close. So you get a lot more sophisticated equipment uh, in the UK as opposed to as opposed to Australia. So that that in itself um, will drive up costs. So. Um, 
those are some of the reasons. There are more, many more, but a a golden retriever is the same as a golden retriever in Australia. They're looked after equally as well. They might get uh, more ticks in Australia than we do in the UK, although with the hot climate in the UK at the moment, that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, but but in essence, we are pretty much the same when it comes to, to looking after and loving our pets. Oh, that's well, that's good to hear. I mean, because it is practically uh, mandatory now, really, to insure, isn't it, Andy? I'm staggered, I have to say, by the, the rise in vet bills. You know, I've been living as a grown up, you know, on my own with my dogs now for over 20 years. And in that time, you know, certainly 20 years ago, I certainly was earning a lot more money than I'm earning now. But vet bills have gone up, I would, I would say, it's my own personal little calculation on uh, an, an emergency surgery comparison that I had to deal with with my bull terrier uh, 18 months ago. They've gone up eight times. And so there is a, a, a massive need for insurance, right? I think if you can get insurance, you should be getting insurance. It's a false economy to think that you can put the money in the in the bank and, and pay off um, any any type of claim or any kind of treatment that your your pet has. Uh, for me, it's it's a given. Um, vet 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 fee inflation. It's one hard one to say that vet fee inflation <laughs> um, is growing at around, depending on who you talk to, between seven and eleven percent on, on on an average. Let alone the current inflationary pressures they face. So what you've got is. And I, and I would say this, not not to defend any vets out there, but it's true. You've seen a lot more um, te- technology advancements in terms of treatment regimes and how we look after our pets and how we can fix our pets if they, they have any issues. So that has definitely dramatically improved. Uh, and there is a lot more exploratory uh, procedures um, going on today that would never have existed 10 years ago. So you, you've definitely got an advancement in that. Plus, you've got to think about the ongoing costs for a vet and where they're situated. So, so it's it it's for me is if you if you don't have insurance, um, then then you're looking for trouble. Um, I would tell you that on average, uh, in a pet's lifetime, your frequency is around about thirty percent, which means that you're likely every animal is likely to need to to make a visit vets at least once every three years when they're young as they get older that that moves to 50 percent one in every two years and as they get over the age of eight it is likely that you will be visiting the vet every year without fail depending Mm. on depending on the breed and everything else so it's, yeah and depending on your your, your care and your yes, knowledge exactly, I think as, exactly. as an individual owner exactly. you know um yes. yeah no so well that's interesting then so you know so one of my dogs Mr Binks he's a rehomed English toy terrier and I took him on actually not knowing that he only had one hip and he has a, a degenerative condition called leg calves perth's disease, which you all know is um, a, a bone degeneration and it affects the hip joints. So, And it was a 
Oh, it's a long story, but we're over it now. But I just thought, gosh, there's something I don't know about this dog when he arrived, you know. And um, I believed what the uh, breeder rehoming him had uh, told me that he was overwalked as a puppy, and that's why he uh, carried his leg. Anyway, so when the vet told me, you know, he only had one hip, I nearly passed out. But I, I'm anyway. Luckily, I was very close to an amazing animal physiotherapist called Sherry Scott of TCAP. She's an MBE. Um, she really. Found Founded animal physiotherapy. She's an amazing woman. And the vet said to me, you better take him back before you get attached to him because you're not going to be able to insure him and um, he'll need his other hip doing and that's going to cost at least £2,000 and all the rest of it. However, anyway, we've never removed his other hip because he hasn't needed it because of good care. You know, a lot of physiotherapy, a lot of acupuncture, the good anti-inflammatory diet that I feed because I'm, I'm a great believer in feeding a raw diet. And as it goes, touching wood here, I'm telling you, um, he hasn't really needed to go to the vet at all, apart from one teeth clean in this time. He's now 10 and I've had him eight years. However, I can't insure him. So what's your view on situations like that? He needed a forever home, right? Um, I was happy to take him on. He's a grand little man. He's come on so much. But, you know, we're in a crisis now where rescue centres are brimful. There will be dogs in those rescue centres that have got a pre-existing condition and of course that's going to be prohibitory isn't it for people to take them on with the the thing oh no I can't assure them oh oh, I'm not going to have that dog so these dogs perhaps are doomed to be in kennels forever look it's uh, first thing is fantastic name Um, love it I think it's a great name (laughs) Uh, so I I think um, it's 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 definitely a challenge for the insurance industry um and what i would say is um good insurance companies will look at look at the risk and in certain circumstances will try and try and place an exclusion on the policy that only relates to the to the condition that the, the pet has so that actually the pet can still get insurance but not for that pre-existing condition now if you're going through a regime of looking after the pet the way you have, um, it is likely that you will get um, some insurance. There are a couple of insurers out there that are starting to offer pre-existing, and it's one of the things I'm very interested in. I think um, pre-existing cover, um, I would like to think that the insurance industry could get to a position where we're saying to you, right, if you... If you continue with the regime that you have described, so like a, a what I would call good health plan, um, and you stick to that religiously, then we what we will do is start to offer some insurance benefit for you, and that will grow as the animal goes through the first year, second year, third year. So you start to get more benefit as the animal is clear of the condition. There's got to be ways to, to tackle it. Mm. And, I, and I can honestly say to you that the industry is continuously looking at how do they do it that you know we need a bit more innovation in that space and uh, but you need a good company that will look at the risk that's in front of them and understand how they can keep that um, any restrictions to the policy at its lowest possible level that's the first thing you need to look for so as an example some companies would basically not cover both hips because they know you've got a problem with one hip 
is going to manifest itself in the other hip. So we're going to exclude cover for both hips. Other companies like my own would look at that and say, what's the what's the likelihood? And if the likelihood is 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 minor, i.e., the dogs, um, the pet is is a is a reasonably good breed, it's lightweight, the owner is going to put it on the right regime and everything else, we would probably try and restrict the exclusion to, to a lower level. So look for the look for the right company. Don't be frightened to to ask around. Uh, and don't assume that they will exclude completely because that's not necessarily completely true. I'm not saying companies don't because they do, mm-hmm. um, but you need to explore. And don't be frightened to ask questions. Um, ask all the questions you can do whilst you're getting the quote. And don't assume that you're going to get all the information online um, because that's the other mistake that some people make. They assume that everything is there. Uh, Unless you unless you read the policy wording from top to toe and ask uh, and understand it, um, you're not necessarily going to get the answers you want. So get on the phone, ask the questions, and and keep asking until such time as you're comfortable that you've been given all the information. Really good advice. Now that that really is good advice, you know, because it's a worry. But at the end of the day, you know, I think people have to understand as well that owning a dog is going to cost you money. You know, I mean, I didn't mind paying out for it. Well, that's another good question actually for you, Andy. Previously, I mean, historically, I don't know with Mr. Binks because I can't insure him, but he has needed, as said, a dental, which I was happy to pay for. But historically, insurance firms are tricky about teeth. Yes, so there are a number of exclusions around teeth that you need to to take care and check. So uh, my company is basically saying as long as you have an annual checkup and you do the things that you're supposed to do to keep your teeth in good order, clean them and do the various things that you should be doing, then we will cover most, most, most teeth most of the teeth issues so most insurance companies will do that but most individuals and, and you know i'm saying this in general uh, won't necessarily think that their pet needs to have their teeth annually checked well what i can say to you is if you do that you will pick up any any issues early and you will get the treatment early which means uh, it's a lower cost as a starting point and the reality of it is the pet is um, will have a, a more healthy life because they're not necessarily going to tell you they've got a problem with their back right tooth. Um, no, I know, so. no, it's true. But the interesting thing is, Andy, you know, yep. vets love to sell you a dental. Yep. They love it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I would say to you, uh, yeah, of course they do. They, they, they'll, they'll sell you the added benefits of uh, of looking after, looking after your animal's teeth. But... The reality of it is most owners, if they start, I mean, I don't know about yourself, but I've got two Yorkshire Terriers. Um, oh, you see small breeds. Now, yeah. It's interesting because they obviously suffer from teeth. Syndrome. My Bull Terrier Prudence, I mean, the one yeah. that she definitely still has got, is a cracking set of gnashers. <laughs> and um, so did my first Bull Terrier, Molly. In fact, gosh, it was funny. Um, uh, on the radio show, I, 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 I still do. And Molly was uh, eight at the time. And we had a vet in the studio. And um, in fairness, he was like so gobsmacked when he met Molly and Joanne Good's first bulldog, Matilda. 
because they were slim. And um, a vet in practice, I think, tends to see so many porky pups that yeah. he couldn't believe seeing slim dogs, which shocked me, actually, in a way. I thought, gosh, really, is it that bad? And then I said, um, oh, have a look at Molly's teeth because I was really proud of them. I actually never brushed them, but it, it's, again, it's got to do, I think, by the size of the mouth. The more yes. oxygen that comes into a dog's mouth, the yep. more healthy the gums are going to be, you know. So the bigger the mouth, so a bull terrier also has got a huge mouth, so lots of yep. air goes in. Anyway, he guessed Molly's age looking at her teeth. Yeah two years old and and she was eight so that was really good but um my point was with this i've digressed a bit here it is about really education isn't it and i think do you think vets could do more mm. by helping teach an owner how to brush their dog's teeth for example uh, absolutely know? absolutely you can get on um look i i think there's an element of do-it-yourself teaching that you can do as an owner um so you can get there's some great youtubes you can look at where vets have actually placed them on YouTube. That's the first thing I would say. Secondly, vets, if you're joining, um, there's lots of puppy and kitten clubs that you can join when when, you're, when your fur babies are young. Um, and they will teach you how to do the right things. Be very, very careful about being sold miracle cures. Uh, is my advice. Um, if you can follow a, if you can follow the normal routine and get get the puppy or kitten used to it early um actually they're usually quite fine and the other thing is like you said get them outside and walking and and, and exercising because the mouth opens more and so on and so forth so it, it's a question of vets can definitely help but what i would also say to owners is you need to ask because you don't need to see the vet to, to get the information. A receptionist will normally tell you it. A vet nurse will normally tell you and show you. So so don't be frightened to ask and, and use the time wisely. So um, it's an area that is often excluded in policies. It's an area that you can get inclusion if you just do the right things. And actually, it can be quite expensive if you get a problem. And it's an area that, that most people get caught out with. So, mm. yeah, ask, ask away. And, and, and obesity, I will come back to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, no, it's good. Can I just ask a sort of a, a bit of a nitty gritty question, Andy? I, I'm loving talking. I've never really spoken so in depth with an insurance provider before so i'm feeling quite privileged andy to be honest um but the, the sort of the big question is this yep. does postcode matter it does it does. does it really yeah, it does okay it does so so i can say to you in australia i'm going to give you an australian example and i'll come back to the uk <laughs> in australia the difference between the states is around about a 15 percent variation in vets fees in the uk between let's use london the southeast scotland and wales there's a variation of between 35 and 70 percent and and it's purely down to the to, to a few reasons some of them are fairly logical which is if you set up a practice in london the location and the cost of running that practice ordinarily is going to be higher than than any other uh, uh, space in the uk uh, it's the same for scotland and wales scotland's obviously cheaper wales is cheaper again and that has an influence on what the vet charges. So they've got to pay for their premise and everything else inside it. 
how up to date that practice is with their technology also has an influence on and an impact on the cost that they will charge. Um, so if they've got the latest um, scanner in their, um, in their surgery, um, then you will pay a proportion towards the cost of that item. So where they are in terms, and then obviously the last part of the jigsaw, and it's the bit that's really important, is what, what, what are the skills of the vets that they have working for them? The more experienced vets tend to charge slightly higher than um, uh, the new people coming into the industry. So you've got a myriad of costs coming through. So where you where you are in the country and your closest vets and how they work impacts the overall cost of your insurance policy. Right. Right. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it makes sense. I mean, vets, you know, at the end of the day, Andy, yep. isn't it? They are businesses, you know, yep. and they they need dogs to <laughs> make money, don't they, really? So um, I get that. Hey, Mike. Hey, Anna. Hey, I was thinking, after we record this Zoom, shall we run to the park and with Prudence Billy and ah. Mr. Binks? Uh, I'd love to, but as you can hear, Billy is excited because his delivery is turning up any minute now. Oh, what delivery is that? Paleo Ridge. No way, you've done it. I have, I have. After you gave us a sample of yours, Billy absolutely loves it. And if, come here, Billy, come here. So you can see how see how his, his coat is all nice and shinier now and seeing his belly. Oh, remember, look. remember I was telling you how his, it was all bald there and now it's all growing back? Yeah, yeah. I thought it would help with that because it boosts the immune system. And of yeah. course, the skin is an organ like any other organ in the body. It's exactly. the biggest organ. So he looks very white and shiny. He's very white and shiny. And uh, all that talk of rock hard poo that you were always mentioning is <laughs> actually true. So it's not quite the um, mess that we would normally have to clean up uh, in the heath anymore. It's actually quite easy now, isn't it, Bill? Isn't it? Oh, good for you, Billy. Yeah, and anyway, I always think Roy is the best. And for me, Paleo Ridge is the best of the best. So if you want to find more, everybody, check out the show notes. From your perspective with Pet Cover, what are your, your, your plans really to promote, you know, wellness really for pets so that ultimately there'll be less underwriting for you to do, although I'm sure you're, you're very happy to underwrite. But I guess ultimately the aim is to be underwriting less because that should then be a benchmark that pets are getting healthier. Absolutely spot on. Um, one, of the, one of the raison d'etre of our company is, is about well-being. There are, ordinarily your vet will offer you a, a some kind of scheme which is about wellness where you get your... Uh, worming tablets, your your fleet treatments, and so on and so forth. If if that's affordable and sensible, you should join it. But, but what pet cover is about is for those things that you don't consider are going to happen to your pet, the unforeseen, the things that that are going to have that that are likely to happen, but you don't know what it's going to be. Now mm -hmm. the key the key for us is promotion of well being. I'll give you an example. It's where we're working with a with another company to promote something that, that's in the right space so as an example we have linked in with a company called horselix horselix is a provider of salt blocks for horses oh yes now 
one of the biggest issues for horses in terms of treatment is colic. Now it gets colic, which is a twisted stomach, basically. Um, and if it if it if it drinks frequently, uh, it, it actually is less likely to get um, colic. So what we've done is we've linked with this company, and it believes these salt um, blocks will help the animal uh, go to water, uh, which ultimately will help with colic. And we're doing an experiment with 250 to 300 horse owners to see actually have some of these for free. And let's see if your frequency of colic is less, because if we can get that colic cost down, ultimately the premiums will come down. So, so again, it's a way of promoting healthy, healthy um, well-being for your for your pet. Now, talking about dogs, we've yes. we've we've linked with Trundle, which is a which is a pet walking um, organisation where if you link to their site, they will give you various places to go and walk your pet, uh, interesting sites and so on and so forth. And you can don't, don't, they'll offer you things within the product. But what we've said is, look, uh, if, if people are linking to this with their pets, then we're really interested in that because, you know, part of well-being is making sure you exercise your pet at the right kind of level so again it's a it's a a way of helping people do the right things now wellness itself i've, I've looked at wellness as a product it's actually out there as a product but it only it pays for the maintenance of things it doesn't necessarily cover everything Mm -mm. No, I know. And it's a fine line, isn't it, with health? We, it, It's something I think people are quite tuned to at the moment, Andy. You know, it's a, it's a combination of your genetics, whether yep. you're a human or a horse or, you know, a, a newt or a dog, you know. So it's your genetics it's and, and it's environmental stressors, of which, of course, you know, lack of exercise is one. Over-exercise, that can also cause Absolutely. vet trips, you know, um, torn muscles and the like. And, and stress, really, you know, the way we live with dogs. And you pointed out that is a main difference between Australia and the UK. Um, yep. And I guess, well, I'm, I'm sure there are high rises in sort of places like Sydney in Australia. Sure. There are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, it is that space issue, I suppose. But I'm loving this all this partnership with different organisations to help people. I think that's, um, that's, that's really good, Andy. Yeah, and we will, we will. One of the things that I mean, I I spoke with one of my one of my development managers this morning, and we are we're linking with a with a nutritionist company uh, that actually visit people in their home with their pet, and the reason we're linking with them is because um, they're influencing the the eating habits and what 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 pets eat. And again, it's another way of filtering out, does that have influence and does it actually actually have an impact on those animals? And again, we'll be able to monitor those pets and see how they compare against our control group. So, 
But what sort of food will they be eating, Andy, well, to do this- that? I mean, you see, it's such a, you know, mixed up world, the world of nutrition, where, where certainly where dogs and cats are concerned, in my view, because obviously I am a canine nutritionist and, and, and nutritionist of cats. So, but where I come from, there is only one way, really, to feed pets, which is with whole food that's fresh and functional. Um, it can be cooked, but ideally I, I prefer to feed raw. So my, my cat eats raw lamb's hearts every day. So that's the way I've been feeding my dogs for you know now over 20 years and prior to that though because I grew up with dogs it was my dad worked for the RSPC I mean he was mad about dogs all his life so and he was quite old so you know when he was born in 1920 there wasn't any kibble (laughs) so our dogs at home always ate meat you know and had bones and and bits of vegetables and leftovers and and what have you so I kind of just transferred all of that and when you know Molly went for her my first Bull Terrier went for her pet, che- you know, checkup when I got her back from the breeder and everything. She was microchipped, and I was like, "Oh, really? Do we really need one of those things in your dog now?" But you do, so that's fine, and it is law, so fine. Um, but anyway, you know, and I was given a bag of kibble, and I was like, "What is this?" I, I, yeah. just, I hadn't, I didn't know what it was. They, oh, it's it balanced, complete, and brilliant food, and cleans their teeth and all the rest of it. And mm. I'm like, right. And I thought about it till we sort of almost got home. And I was passing a bin, actually. I thought, you know what? I don't really want this. And I binned it. <laughs> and, um, and and then we were lucky we had a butcher's really near. It was lovely, actually. Molly grew up on Lamb's Conduit Street. Brilliant. Bloomsbury. She was raised in Bloomsbury. I was very lucky. And it was great. And I got meat from the butcher, you know. Um, and it was very local. So it was all, uh, super convenient for me. But uh, you hear what I'm saying. So it really yeah. depends who is telling you what to feed your dog. I mean... Vets will tell you to feed two, your main two main brands, dry kibble, you know, and they maintain that that is the best way. So if vets are writing on the dog's records what they're eating, I mean, my local vet, I mean, I've got several vets that I dip into as and when I need, right? And my local one here, you know, hates me, I'll be honest, because I feed my dog's raw. They say, well, you know, we, we don't agree with that. And I said, well, you know, well, it's all right, though, isn't it? He's not your dog, you know, and I, I, I am a bit cheeky. But um, um, but I mean that really is the point, isn't it? I mean, uh, look, yeah, yeah, it's your pet, um, and, and the way I the way I look at it is is fresh. I mean, you probably come across the term fresh, fresh, fresh is best if you can, if you can, if you can afford it, and you and you're in that space, then then I would say yes. These these are all pet nutritionists. They won't recommend um, any particular product. They come and they come and see you. You pay for their visit. Uh, they sit with you, they, they they talk about what you're doing with the pet and they work out a regime of how you should look after it if you need that assistance. Um, predominantly younger pets. So I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in younger pets so I can monitor what goes on. And, and then, you know, what I would say to you, and it's, it's, it's not counter to your position, but it is, it is a fact, which is, um, unfortunately, in this day and age, you, you've got people's convenience and lifestyles that are fundamentally different. Mm. And it's trying to work out what the best best outcome for that pet is with that owner's lifestyle. And sometimes, I'm going to be really honest, sometimes they're incompatible, those two things, because the owner hasn't actually worked out what it is to look after the pet in the first place and has actually taken the wrong pet home. <laughs> Um, and and that's why a lot of them end up in in the charity uh, shelter locations because because own, owners aren't thinking that through. 
And I mean that in the most positive way that I can get it across. No, I see it every day, um, Andy. And, uh, and it's, I think the pandemic actually has changed the face of dog ownership so much that it's really blown it out of the water. You know, our expectations for dogs, the fact that we use third parties to groom your dogs. I mean, in the olden days, there were, were no groomers, you know. You bathed your dog, you clipped yep. its nails, you cleaned yep. its eyes, you cleaned its ears. But some people can't actually even do that. So, you know, I don't want to sound negative or anything, but the thing is... <laughs> You've one journey with your dog, isn't yep. it, Andy? Yep. And and in a way, to partner with someone like yourselves to yep. go through that journey, but be on the same page. Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, I, I look. I'm, I, I I jumped in, but what I wanted to say to you is, look, I've got a a sister site that that will be launching very soon, which I'm not going to say out loud because it hasn't launched yet. On that site, you will have specialists in your area that can help you. So you'll have dog groomers, dog walkers, dog trainers, all the things where where we will have people on that site that have been accredited and trained, and we can confirm that. And you'll be able to use those sites to actually help you if you need the help, because that's the other thing. Some people don't know how to. They need to be shown how to. Um, and you've got to provide as much support as you can. I wouldn't leave my, I wouldn't leave my, I've got Yogi Bear, who's my youngest dog, he's, he's three, and I've got my oldest dog, Lucky, who's 17, as I said earlier. I wouldn't leave Lucky with anybody else. Mm, he's, no. he's 17 years old, and he, he's, um, he just needs much more care than, than I would suggest most people would give him. Uh, whereas Yogi Bear is he's an interactive, he wants to play, he's there's no aggression with him, he's he's a beautiful animal, um, lovely caring thing, and he mixes well and, and I would be quite happy to go, to take him on walks with other other animals and so on and so forth. So so in my mind it's it's what support do you need to make that pet life? as full and rich as it can possibly be. Pet insurance is one aspect. All the other mechanisms for helping you are there. You just need to find the right companies to take you on that journey if you can't do it yourself. If you can do it yourself and you're more than competent and very happy with that, then that's obviously the best course of action. Yeah, well, it's, it's down to knowledge and experience, but exactly. certainly pet cover sounds great. This add-on sounds very interesting indeed. And, Ian, I'd, I'd love it if you'd come back to tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. Um, that okay. sounds great. Thank you for, for today. I hope it's clarified quite a few things for um, various pet parents, some that may have not insured yet or might be yeah. thinking of switching or, you know, and I guess is, is that fairly easy for you to take on if somebody rings you yeah. up and says well I'm with someone else but I want to be with you is that a straightforward yeah, switch? We, we make it as streamlined as possible for you to transfer um, if you've got your renewal documents that you've had and nothing's changed you can forward that on to us and we will make it easy for you so it's a it's a it's a simple process um, feel free to I will come on board again if you want me to later on in the year, perhaps in the last quarter to talk about the other company if you want me to. And I'm more than happy if it works for you to 
answer questions that people may have on on just general insurance in terms of pet um, i'm more than happy to help you in that in that space if you need any um, if it helps people at all no that's very kind to you actually andy one thing that has cropped up in the news just this week right because yep. you know england's been like you know 40 degrees or it has been in london it's been really really hot and what's happened is adders um are only poisonous snake in in this country at the moment um has gone mad they love it and they've grown to ridiculous sizes apparently this summer and there was a case that hit the press of a cocker spaniel that was bitten by a really massive adder and obviously when, when your dog's bitten by an adder you're not near to a vet you're in the middle of a forest or something so anyway they got the, the dog to their local vet who guess what didn't have any anti-venom antidote so the dog was going down and oh, they had to travel miles to get to the antidote anyway long story short the dog is all right it cost them nearly two and a half thousand pounds now this wasn't in london but i've heard that several vets don't stock the antidote for for adders for example now in that situation where arguably the vet was in the wrong for not having the antidote to help you then and there with your dog where does that all sit with insurance you know because I've known three people now that have had a, an adder bite in the UK and their local vet has been unable simply didn't it to do anything and then there's been a mad panic to go quite far before the dog dies basically really it's a really interesting point so I, I, I believe there is a, an association that, that's out there. Forgive me, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, what I will do is I will ask our vets and actually I will put it on our website. No, brilliant. I just think, honestly, it was heart-wrenching case study this so this cock spaniel it was only one and he nearly did die but the bill you know was so oh, we much would pay. we would pay there wouldn't be an issue with the bill itself it would that would be covered i think i think the the, the skill for me is right if i've got if i've got that circumstance and i i know i can go onto a site that tells me the latest stockist who's got it at least i'm not wasting my time the precious time i do have um, so I'd, 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 I'll quite happily get our people to start looking at that and ringing vets and yeah. finding who's got stock and actually on the website. Well, you see, it's very, it's great. <laughs> it's great to kind of put um, a voice and a face to a name of um, uh, of a brand like this. So thank you again, Andy, for joining us today. And I really do hope we can stay in touch and sort of report on the, the new things that Pet Cover is doing I really, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to people. And uh, as I say, feel free to reach out if you've got any questions or come through you. I, as I say, I will do this um, adder snake stuff. I will sort that out. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. Care yourself. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I agree. It was very interesting talking to Andy. And Pet Cover sounds like they've got the right perspective on managing pets' healthcare. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. Whether to insure or not to insure, always opt for a pet-specific insurance firm. And one where you can discuss your individual pet's needs. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, we're on all the platforms. 
thanks again, of course, to Andy Pierce for joining us today. And all the links are in our show notes. A big thanks to Mike Hansen for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm just at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday with part two of our insurance special. So why don't you subscribe now? And that way you'll never miss that or any other show. Bye for now. Bye for now.